to jump 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. Too many cars. Car. No roses would be... Uh... Like I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. You can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns. What's right? Me, me. I want a man's coolant. <laughs> He's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. They'd love to be driven hard. You sound great. Welcome to a much delayed episode of Auto Off Topic. Very delayed. But yeah, it's been a bit. Life happens. And next thing you know, it's been three or four weeks. But that's okay. Because you know what? It's winter time. And winter time is generally a slower time on the New England side, at least. And I've been super busy with other things in life, so I haven't been doing much here either. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, I'll actually be away next week for work. So oh boy, we might as well get one in here. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is also, and I'm, I'm currently dying of some kind of unknown sickness. So I'm just trying to make it through, but I want to put something out there. Plus, you've done some stuff, and I've done some stuff, and it's good to get some time to conversate about it. And we haven't even talked about any of the NASCAR races yet, and there's been two. Well, uh, I've been to one of them. And that's part of the reason that we're so far behind on recording. Because, <laughs> yeah, we were on vacation. So we went, I mean, I guess that's what I got, unless you got any project car stuff you want to do first. You can start there. It's cool. We can start, we'll start, start right out with NASCAR, because it's an interesting conversation, because we both went to Daytona this year already for the yeah. 24, which we talked about. And now you've been there for two events, which are vastly different, both in crowd and experience, I'm sure, at the track. Yeah. So it might be neat to kind of uh, have a conversation about both those things. So, yeah, you went to the 500 and you went to some of the, um, what do they call that opening race there? The duels. The duels. Thank you. And the qualifying And there's race. a reason why I did that. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it comes up important in the end. We, yeah, so we planned on going... For the Daytona 500 and also a few days earlier because uh, Stephanie and Marco went and Stephanie's parents met us there from Arizona. Uh, they're both big NASCAR fans, but we weren't just going to do that. We we're going to do like the things you do in Florida, which are like Disney because uh, Marco's into that stuff, too. So we did that. Uh, and then, you know, we went in, we flew in on Wednesday, which was Valentine's Day. It was beautiful and sunny. Next day, it was like fairly sunny, getting kind of overcast. And then the next day, like, so the next day was at Disney. Then the next day was at Disney. It was like sunny and like decent. Uh, 
and then looking at the weather for the weekend, of course, just straight rain. Like the only rain in the entire United States was like across the Florida panhandle. Well, it's Florida. It always rains in Florida. No. Well, it's funny you say that because they were like, yes, it usually rains, but not this time of year. Uh, it's usually like a summertime. They'll get a rain in the afternoon. Like that's like a tropical thing. Sure. Well, like, I mean, listen, this, February, this, this is like it's pretty dry. This is an automotive podcast with a side of weather usually anyway. So we might, yeah. as, well, might as well be affected um, by it again. So I was like, oh, no, uh, they'll probably delay the race till Monday. I don't know if we'll be able to stay. We'll have to figure it out. But. We were down there Thursday. We're at Disney. Uh, I was like, you know what? I'll buy tickets to the duels for us because at minimum, we'll get to see cup cars racing. It's not the full Daytona, but it's at least it's 250 mile. Yeah, 150 mile, 150 lap. No, 150 mile, 60 laps. Yeah, they're very short because, yeah, um, it's 200 laps to make 500 miles. It's like. Uh, 60 laps to go 150. Um, yeah, so two and a half miles. So yeah, Daytona is unique because NASCAR kicks off its season, and they talk about this in the in the uh, Netflix series. But it's well known that the the biggest race of the NASCAR season is the first race. Correct. Which is kind of weird. Feels a little backwards. Yeah, but that's the, what they the, do. It. The Super Bowl of auto racing, they call it. Yeah. Oh, they used to yeah. before the Super Bowl didn't allow you to say that word anymore. Yeah. Uh, the Indy 500 would like a word, probably. But I Listen, I'm not saying whether it's true or not. I'm just saying what they say. I, I mean, they try to make it an event. So um, I'm like, yeah, we let's, uh, let's at least make sure we get some racing in. So I bought tickets. You know, the website's not that great. Apparently, I could have bought like... I bought four adult tickets because I didn't realize I could buy a kid's ticket. That was really annoying. Um, it would save me like 60 bucks. But anyway, uh, I bought... Here's a tip for somebody who wants to go to the duels. It's not that busy. I bought reserved seats because I thought it would be busy because it's cup cars, but it's a Thursday sure. night. Uh, you could have bought less expensive general admission tickets uh, and just sat anywhere. Okay, <laughs> but I bought the more expensive ones where we actually had assigned seats. But there was well, really one of those things around. that you don't really know because you've never done it before, and you're there yeah. for this event. You might as well go big. So now you know, and yeah, anybody listening also knows. Yep. Um, but I picked uh, up by turn four because I knew we were sitting for the 500 at turn one, so we were up by turn four, uh, and we saw that big wreck right away. That was like one of the first duels. I was like right in turn four. Uh, we saw the wreck at the end of the second duel, I think. But, oh, I know where I was going with this. Uh, I was talking about how, like, there's a reason why they have the duels. That's where I was going. And the Daytona 500 is unique because they do qualifying. And... Uh, it's a big deal if you are an unchartered team. They have several open spots where you can race your way in through qualifying or making speed. Uh, and a few drivers did that. 
Uh, but the only guaranteed starting positions during qualifying are the first and uh, uh, row one. So pole position and second position, right? The okay. duels then, which are shootout races basically, determine the starting position of the rest of the field, which is that's pretty unique for a NASCAR race. And there's no other NASCAR races that do that. Yeah, I was a little lost as how the duels worked. I, I unfortunately I couldn't watch most of it because I was getting ready to do something. That I, was, I was busy for some reason. That was Thursday night, right? Yes. Yeah. There's so, so for some reason I was busy and I couldn't couldn't get to them. But um, I was a little confused as to what they even were for because I've never paid much attention to qualifying. So I didn't realize that qualifying was different. I've always just kind of like looked at the yeah. qualifying results. So I remember being able to watch them back in the 90s when it was like Speed Weeks was later. It was like during school vacation. Sure. And and they had them like in the middle of the day. And they may have even been called like, or maybe I was watching like the Bush Clash or something. Yeah, who knows? That that used to be at <laughs> Daytona as well. That used to, all of Speed Weeks used to be, it was like the Rolex 24, the Bush Clash, then you had the duels, then you had the, the 500. It was like two weeks of stuff. That's why they called it Speed Weeks. Yeah, and there was motorcycle <laughs> racing too involved. Yeah. Now yeah, it's just a bunch of AMA Speed stuff. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I first time, uh, it's cool cause it's at night, never seen the full oval run, just the oval with the road course. And I've never seen, I had never seen cup cars on a super speedway. I'd only ever seen them at the one mile track in New Hampshire. Totally different. And, and the thing that's cool about the duels is it's. There's two duels. That's why they call it the duels. So they basically split the pack. So it's not the full pack you would see at the Daytona 500. Um, yeah, it's 20 something cars each. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I forgot. It's loud. I forgot how loud cup cars are. It's so much louder than the endurance cars. So yeah. much louder. And they're running in a pack. And it sounds like a, like a piston powered aircraft. As it yeah. like goes around because it's yeah. unlike a short track like New Hampshire, they're just like in a bowl, basically like wah, 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 wah. this, like they actually go out and they're like at one, you know, at a certain point, they're like two miles away from you yep, <laughs> or whatever <laughs> as they're on the other side of the track. And it's just like, sure, like you just hear yeah. them like winding up down the backstretch. It's like pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty loud. Like we, we could have gotten away with not having earplugs at the Rolex. But at NASCAR, yeah. if you're there the whole time, you're probably going to want them because it gets loud and it's probably bad for you to not yeah. have them. It's yeah. Quite loud. Um, so, yeah, that was that was super duper cool. To, and I was like happy to do that at least. Like I, it, I showed the in-laws. They'd never been to Daytona. I was like, well, it's cool to see it at night. And it's yep. like like it blew them away that I'm like, yeah, watch. We like get off the highway. We're like in a city. And then it's just like the track is just Race there. Track. Yeah. Um, so that gave him kind of the lay of the land. At least uh, they knew what was going on. So then we were worried um, that like 
I don't know. We might not, we were trying to figure out if we could stay extra. Um, so Saturday it was like rainy and crummy. We had nothing else to do. I was like, well, let's drive back up to the track and at least, uh, you guys can go through the museum and I know there's a gift shop in there. You can get some stuff and all they had, all the trucks are out too in the front of the track. That's cool. So you can at least like get all your stuff and you don't have to worry about doing a race day if something happens. So, um, yeah, they enjoyed the, the museum. They had moved the garage 56 car inside. It was in that back area with all the other cars. Okay. That makes sense. And then they put a, like a display cup car with an opening door. So they, they like got my in-laws got to sit in it and took pictures of them sitting in a cup car. They didn't have to climb in through the window. <laughs> no. Um, I'd have paid money to see Steve climbing through the window of a cup. Car. Yeah. <laughs> but it was funny. They had that display with the Earnhardt car. That's way up on like a banking. Yep. And I was like, yeah, Steve, that's, that's the banking. He's like, Oh, Whoa. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. Right. Like, cause they have a big thing in the, it's like a cutaway of the banking and they have a thing sure. that's like 31 degrees and you're like, wow. Cause it's, you don't realize how extreme it doesn't, it, you don't register it when you're up in the stands, nope. but when you're next to that in the little museum there, you're like, Oh my gosh, that's a huge yeah. banking. Yeah. Well, when you're standing in the infield, which is something you can't do at NASCAR unless you have special tickets. Yeah. Um, well, when we start the Daytona race, like the, the 24 hour race, like you're looking at the roof of the car as it goes by. It's wild. Yeah. <clears throat> it's pretty extreme. Um, so then, you know, it's like really rainy and gross Saturday. You're like, uh, and then and you're talking about Sunday. five airplane tickets too. Like you get five people yeah. to get two different locations. People have jobs. Yeah. People have places to be like how frustrating. Cause I, I was also hearing that Daytona, the 500 out of all the other NASCAR races has the most people that come from out of area. Yep. So like way less people come from out of area to go to New Hampshire or the Phoenix track oh, yeah. or Atlanta the next week or whatever. It's just, everybody's there from somewhere else. So Cause it's a, it's a huge ordeal. Yeah. Uh, so interestingly, so we, we get up Sunday morning, weather's not looking good at all. The local news, the local Fox affiliate, uh, actually it was really cool. Cause they like have a thing where they're at the track and they're like reporting on it. It was actually super useful. Cause they're like, had a weather guy there. They're like, yeah, we're, we usually have like an interview with the, the president of the track, but you know, obviously they're in meetings. They're trying to figure out stuff. Cause they've got like all these things that they need to coordinate. They've got the, you know, the air force thunderbirds are there. They're like trying to coordinate. Like the rock is supposed to give the gentleman or the driver start your engines. Uh, Pitbull is supposed to perform all the stuff. Cause you know, they want to make it like a spectacle. So they're like trying to figure sure. it all out. So we're like, like get breakfast. We come back up to the room. We're like watching it. And then like in the middle of the weather guy, like explaining how bad the weather is. He's like, up. Oh. he's like, they just came over the, the loudspeakers, of the track. They had postponed the race. And I was like, sweet. So we didn't have to like drive up there. It was like, yeah, at least the they morning. did it. They did it early. So you had time to try to figure out something like, so that's interesting. So then the next day, so we know it's postponed. So obviously we're able to like move some flights my boss is like, yeah, whatever. Take another day. I was like, cool, man. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, I like extended the rental car. No big deal. Hotel was like, yeah, you can have the room for another night. I was like, all right, sweet. So um, that all worked out. 
and then we were got up the next morning and it was literally like a different day like just like this said like no rain yep um they ended up pushing the xfinity race they were going to do it in the morning but they weren't gonna have they did need to dry the track but they weren't gonna have enough time to dry it but from like noontime it was like bright and sunny so it's cool because again we're watching that local news and they had the president of the track come on and he's like yeah we wanted to you know we're really thinking about the fans that's why we canceled it so early in the day so that people could like try to make plans and like make it work like all right so at least they were trying to figure it out um, yeah it's kind of similar because just a week or two weeks prior the first event of the year was the the bush clash and they had the same issue with the rain and they didn't know what to do couldn't figure it out and they wanted running a day early instead yeah because they wanted to like you know do it do it for the fans and at that event they just they canceled all the tickets and they said refunds for everybody if you can make it on saturday what are you going to charge just show up yeah so it's, nascar is definitely trying to be fa- as fan friendly as possible which is which is good because in the past they haven't been <laughs> it's interesting because the daytona track is owned by nascar other mm-hmm. other tracks are not owned by nascar so it's i think there's a couple uh, that are aren't there yeah, there are a couple that are. Um, probably like Charlotte is, but it. So it's like their track, so they have more say over like how to do stuff, which is, I guess, good for them. Um. So yeah, we we showed up. Um, it's funny they have. Uh, you've got like, uh, oh, I should go back. So the night, because this I'm going to talk about free parking. So the the night we went to the duels, I knew that you could pay to park over that turn four lot that we parked in before. Okay. Uh, so I was like, all right, let me go over there. Cause I don't want, we don't want to park super far away. And then I think, I think what it was, you know what it was? I pulled in to, um, Oh, this was the Saturday. So anyway, pulling to the parking lot. It's the same lady that was there when we were there for the, um, uh, Rolex. What happened? Sorry. The, the cat wrapped herself around the headphone cord and then got tangled and was like fighting me with it. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Uh, yeah. We go into the turn four area and she's like, yeah, it's like 45 bucks. I'm like, yep, no problem. I get around the corner as a guy like director traffic. I was like, where'd I go? Just down here. He's like, I don't know. Maybe there's some spots. <laughs> I was like, All right, dude. I just paid 45 bucks. I'm definitely finding a spot. Yeah. Thanks. I'm going to leave it right in the middle of the aisle. Otherwise. Yeah. That's a lot of money to park in a dirt lot. <laughs> so, so anyway, that was just a funny story. Cause then the next day when we're, th- when we went for Saturday, I was like, well, I don't want to pay to park in that lot for, if we're just going to the gift shop. That's silly. So I went over to the mall we parked in the first day, the Rolex that was free. Yep. yep. And the guy's like, "Oh, it's it's thirty dollars to park over here." I was like, "No, <laughs> I was yeah. like it's forty five, and I could park closer." Or no, yep. it was the same. I think it was said it was forty five. I was like, "Well, if it's forty five here, I could park across the street. And it's also forty five. I was like, "Oh, I guess so." I was like, "All right, man." Yeah, that's so, bad. So bad. I was like, "I'm just gonna turn day. around, thank you." <laughs> so we we ended up like on that Saturday. There's like a indoor trampoline place. Stephanie took Marco over there and just dropped me and the in-laws at the racetrack. So we didn't have to pay to park. Nice. It was just annoying. Uh, 
So anyway, on race day, I'm like, I don't want to pay to park. <laughs> Tired of paying okay. to park. It's annoying. And I think like race day parking in lot four was like a hundred dollars. And I'm like, that's super far away because we're at turn one. Yeah, and so and so much for NASCAR caring about their fans. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, you think a la carte pricing is bad at NASCAR? I'd go to Disney World. Um, <laughs> I don't really get into that. It was like forty dollars to park at Disney too. I'm sure it was. I know Disney doesn't care about their fans. Um, yeah, but, but people will pay it. <laughs> so anyway, um, now the dryer's done. You don't have to hear it. Um, if you go, there's lot seven, which is out in like the middle of nowhere. It's like a mile away, but it's like feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. Like it doesn't feel like you're near the track. Okay. So, so you like follow the signs. You park out there. They've got buses that are just running like a ton of school buses. Okay. And it's weird. They take like, they don't take the normal roads. They like have all these dirt shortcuts that like cut through all the roads. And you end up at the track in like five minutes. Nice. Like they've they've got police at each intersection that the bus crosses and they just stop traffic for all the buses to go. You're like, that's cool. Nice. And that lot was free? That lot was free. Nice. I mean, you had to wait a little bit for the bus. Oh, whatever. It was a little bit coming home, but it was like not bad at all. And, and then it takes so long. Yeah. And it takes so long for people to get over there because it's the natural filtering of like people getting on the buses that we didn't sit in a traffic jam to leave the parking lot. Yeah. Perfect. So who cares? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's a huge event. You'd think they'd have stuff figured out. So I'm glad they do. Because sometimes do. you go to a huge event and you think they'll have things figured out and they don't. So at least they do. So anyway, um, yeah, it's cool. We get over there. It it basically, the buses dump you behind the Bass Pro Shops, which is where that restaurant was that we ate that we didn't like. Um, I don't remember. During the Rolex. It was like, uh, I don't know. It was like a yard house type restaurant. What was it called? Oh, where the car show was that night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, rock bottom. Yeah, it was rock bottom. All right. Yeah, it certainly was. <laughs> it was very bad. Well, that's the problem with that area. It's it's entirely populated by chain restaurants. So you just try to find the best of the, best of the worst, I guess. Um, yeah. And we unfortunately found the worst of the worst. We ate so. at Cheddar's again. Yeah, Cheddar's was much better than Rock Bottom. It's and that's really the same. Solid. Yeah. That's uh, funny because, you know, it's it, as as general consumers, uh, you and I kind of have the same thought process on chain restaurants. We try to avoid them if possible, but sometimes you can't in listen, that kind of situation. I, and I'm a Cheddar's convert. It's a scratch kitchen and it's cheap. Yeah, it's it's not it's not terrible. It's not terrible at all. Yeah, like it's not terrible. if you if you gave me the choice of a Cheddar's or a Chili's, I'm going to go to Cheddar's. It's significantly this podcast is than not Chili's. sponsored by yes. Cheddar's. Well, it's funny because like we we had the same I had the same conversation with Naomi one night because we were on our, our road trip and we got to the hotel super late and the only thing open in town was a IHOP or an Applebee's and we're yeah. like, well, we need food. Neither one of those is really food though, and we went to an so we we kind of flipped a coin and went to the Applebee's and despite it not being like the world's best food, it was super cheap. And we were like, all right, it's satisfied, I guess. 
there is something to be said for like that. You know what you're getting. It is what it is. And at least it was cheap. <laughs> so, Life so goes anyway, on. we get to the race. Uh, it's bright and sunny. Not warm, though. It was like in the 60s. It was pretty cold for Florida. I mean, it's Florida wintertime. That's that's about breezy. normal. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, because it was a Monday, still a lot of people didn't make it. Like we had nobody. I had nobody next to us. Nobody in front of us at our seats. That's super nice because those seats are not far apart. They're very, they're very squished together. No. Um, the seats were super cool. Like those seats were great. For me, just kind of guessing, like kind of have I, you know, I had a rough idea of where you should be. Yeah, like they're really good seats. Um, I don't know. Now I'd never seen the full pack race on a super speedway i didn't realize apparently uh after the race they're talking about there was a lot of fuel saving going on and cars were running like half throttle yeah it was actually incredibly boring for most of stage one to watch on television it didn't feel that way in person yeah i don't know maybe the well, also the fox coverage is kind of like eh. well the other problem was was that on the on the tv coverage they were they show the throttle positioning. So you yeah. know that they're just driving around at 50 to 60% throttle. And you're like, okay, some like the, the stick poking meme, like do something. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, maybe it didn't seem like they were as fast as they could be, but I, it was hard to tell in person. Yeah. It was, it was incredibly boring um, for that first stage. It wound up being a great race. Except, the rest of the except race. for the, fifth lap after the fifth lap so <laughs> what happened was they they went out the first few laps and they were getting at it early it was like they were trying to win the race in the first 10 laps of this race and yeah. they caused that massive wreck and after that massive wreck is when that changed the whole strategy of the field and they're like well we've already had a yellow so now we need to conserve our fuel so we can be near the front of the pack for the end of the stage yes that's kind of how that all went down. So I uh, also like that's the other thing when you're on when you're watching it on TV and they're doing green flag pit stops on a super speedway. What at least maybe on Fox, I don't know. They don't seem to do a good. Uh, it, it's way easier because you're there in person to see the difference in speed um, when cars got to get like. Guys came in for green flag pit stops. They like got off out of the lead, came in, and then, then then trying to catch back up to the field was like, whoa, are they actually going to get back up to speed? Uh, you could act like it was crazy to watch cars that don't have draft just getting eaten up by the pack coming up behind them. Yeah, they're so much faster together. It's not even funny. It's multiple and if miles you, per hour. If you don't come in to the pits with people, you're screwed. Absolutely screwed. Yep. You have to leave and there's the no pack caution. so you have that pack. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to come in with two or three cars so that you can draft and get back up to speed. That's why Crazy. the pit road penalties are so costly at a super speedway. Because mm-hmm. if you if you get a penalty, now you're off cycle and you have to come back to the pits without anybody else. And you're guaranteed to get lost. You're guaranteed to lose a lap. Yep. Thankfully, the, the, the place is so big, you won't lose multiple laps but you're definitely going to lose at least one lap. So. Yeah. Um, no bueno. 
Oh, I'm sorry to bounce around too much, but the I have to say the pre-race stuff, it's pretty cool. Like, I see why, like, they kept everybody entertained. They had a cool DJ. Uh, Thunderbirds, awesome. They, like, come through. They, like, do a flyover in formation at the end of the national anthem. You're like, yeah, it's awesome. And then you're sitting there. And we're just kind of sitting there. And then they, like, two of them came in and literally buzzed the grandstands. Like, you were, like, eye level with them. That's super rad. (laughs) <laughs> like full afterburner like away <laughs> it's like so loud yep like unexpected like everybody like jumped <laughs> it's like That's and i guess cool. they have it's it's cool too because the way we were up so high you could see they take off from the airport that's behind there so we watch them take off in formation and then they must go out over the ocean and hold and then they do the national anthem they come ripping in and then they do their other passes and do like there's other stuff they're just like flipping around. I guess they're just waiting so they have clearance and then they land. So that was pretty cool. And uh, the Rock gave like a ridiculous starting thing. Well, as he does, he's the Rock. He has to be a wrestler at all times. Yeah, wrestler voice. Um, so anyway, yeah. First stage was like pretty cool. Second stage going along pretty well. Um, yeah, stage two and stage three were you know, incredibly entertaining compared to stage one for sure. As, yeah. as television viewer goes, they started getting uh, once they started getting like three and four wide. You're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, thank God for technology. I was able to watch it because I didn't have the day off. And yeah. um, another reason we didn't record last week is I was in California for work the week after you guys came back from Florida. So. I was actually working in uh, North Hollywood and Burbank for the whole week. And I was able to thank goodness for technology, uh, direct TV. I recorded the race and I was able to access the recording on my phone at after hours after work. So I finished work at like four o'clock and I was able to turn the race on. Um, and I was able to purchase a USB connector that goes from the phone to HDMI. So I was able to plug the phone in at the hotel room and broadcast my recorded cable channel directly onto the TV oh, in the hotel room and watch the race. A, some some have Chromecast now. Well, the problem is is that when you record something, certain of certain things that you record on your direct TV are not allowed to play over oh. casting. And this was one of those things. So I had to use the cable from the HDMI. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. I bought it on Amazon like two days before leaving. It was HDMI to USB-C just for the sole purpose of being able to watch the 500 on the television in the hotel room. So I was like, I'm not missing the first race of the year because this work thing. So I, I ignored all social media that day after the race was over and didn't talk to anybody until I was able to watch the race. So it didn't have any spoilers. It was... Uh... It was pretty cool. The, the end was like real good, like real nail, nail biter at the end. Uh, yeah, it was a good finish. I really thought, I thought my boy Chastain had it. But, uh, Chastain and Wallace, two guys that we are uh, big fans of, were both in the top five. And, uh, and you know, the other thing, Suarez was running strong too until that. Yeah, he was top, he was top 10 until the big wreck. Yeah. And that whole big wreck thing was. I'm trying to remember which was which race now, <clears throat> but 
it took out a lot of good a lot of contenders and it uh, certainly gave Byron the chance to win the race. Yeah, it was um the 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 bummer was uh the McDowell car he he had it in he qualified second. Yep. And I think it was really strong and then all of a sudden I guess they had like an electrical failure and then yep. he was just like trying Gone. to make race speed. It was like, man, yep. that stinks. Yeah. He's the uh, Phoenix hometown hero too. But uh so yeah, that was a cool race. Um it's a cool experience. I'm not going to do it every year, but that was definitely worth going. And uh even if they were running at half speed, it didn't seem like that. Uh in the end it didn't there was no confusion. Wait, I'm confusing it with the R- Rolex um finish. <laughs> the um, the Daytona finish was it was a super exciting race and then it finished yellow caution. That's that's what I'm thinking of. It was like kind of boring. It was the finish. Right. Um because the whole race but was like really lead, really good. But leading but leading up to that yellow caution yeah. was was very good. Even that yellow caution on the end like you knew it was over, so you 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 were just it was more trying to figure out you know when the fl- when the yellow flag came out, make sure that Byron did get the win, and you know what it's that's sometimes that's racing that's 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 how it ends mm-hmm. sometimes it it is what it is, so it was it was it was very it was a very fun race to watch. Um, it was a little bit a little bit anticlimactic at the end, but overall the last twenty laps or so were were pretty good. Um, and, and you say, you know, even if they were running at half speed, they weren't running at half speed and they were running at 50 to 70% throttle, but they were only running five or 10 miles an hour under full race speed. So that's probably why it doesn't look tremendously slow when you're there. No. Watching it on television, though, because they were running so conservatively, they were just side by side, no movement, nobody trying to pass, nobody stepping out of line. It was just lapping for the sake of lapping it was like it was like a 180 mile an hour yellow flag yeah not until they got later in the stages but but these these they're they're still trying to figure out these new cars honestly that's a lot of it too like we're only three years in and so many changes have been made each year this is the first super speedway race with the you know the first race really other than the bush clash that tiny little track with the new packages this year and they're still trying to figure the cars out so there's a lot going on but anyway i i uh i've been to the 2500 i haven't been in a lot of years i'd love to go back again but i i echo your your sentiments about it not being an every year thing because it's a lot it was it's not cheap no no it's not it's not cheap tickets and parking was... airfare hotel food the whole nine it gets expensive it's funny though because on the plane back to Boston, that was probably maybe ten other people that had Daytona five hundred gear on. It was like sure. okay, so we're not the only ones that traveled there. No, again, it's the number one event for traveling to from out of state. So yeah, and it was funny. I had, I had bought a new track house hat, and then we were waiting for our bags. And there was like a couple with a the guy had a Kurt Bush hat and his girlfriend or wife or whatever had a Chastain, like the Bush jacket, the new one, and like a track house shirt. Nice. And I was standing there, I was like, he almost had it. Almost yeah. had it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would even like to see Kurt Bush 
take it. I mean, he was running pretty strong for a while, too. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm not a huge Bush fan, but he did deserve it. I'm not, but he's win. never won it. It was it was poetic the way it ended with the Penske cars up front. Um, Hendrick, being as Hendrick it, cars. Sorry. Oof, the Hendrick cars up front just being as it was. Um, there was some anniversary of an event there or 300. Uh, I think it was or... it was Dale Jr.'s last win or he had the last win for Hendrick. I think. Okay. I know there was something to do like with 2014 with the, the there's a whole era game. that I, we have definitely missed of like the, yeah, it's like 2003 to 2018. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know the history there because we're definitely out of it. It was like, I didn't think it was that great. The cars were kind of crummy. It's because it wasn't that great. Yeah. And yeah, they the, really, we, we missed, we missed the, the whole... wrestling angle. We missed the whole era of Carl Edwards being a superstar. Yeah. Like, he came out for some kind of race last year. They're like, oh, Carl Edwards is here. He hasn't been out for anything since he retired. And I was like, who the hell's Carl Edwards? <laughs> and apparently, he's like this super winning driver from the era of driving that we didn't watch. So. Yeah, you know, I've I only come to... into, like, knowing Jimmy Johnson much later. Yeah. Than when he was, like, a, a peak driver i mean we've we've talked before about how you know we kind of got out of it in the early 2000s like we were both big nascar guys all through the 90s into like 2000 and you know we we used to spend tons of hours playing nascar 98 on playstation like and then i I don't something happened and we just kind of floated away from it and it just the racing was very good the cars were lame they're lame looking the personalities were weird it was just strange. It was when they announced going to playoffs and stage racing. I was like, that's dumb. I'm not going to watch that. It was like, why are they trying to make this like football? Uh, but, you know, 10 years on, they kind of figured it out. And it's yeah, actually no, it's very, really it's, good. It's very entertaining. <laughs> it's like, gosh, darn it. It's very entertaining. Did and, a good job. You know, we talked about that NASCAR show bringing a lot of more fans in and it uh it it did i think and now like daytona was an entertaining race it was on a monday they still had a huge audience that watched it and then atlanta this past week was one of the most ridiculous races i've ever watched in my entire life so can we from beginning to I end wanna, i want to talk about that the show real quick yeah. i like the show uh in hindsight now that i've thought about it more i wish it was two episodes longer in the front end and I wish they had done a little bit of background on sure. NASCAR as the first season. Sure. They don't have to do like a deep dive on this, like where the sport came from, but you can do like 10 minutes on it. Sure. And then give a little background on the championship and how it used to work and why it's so significant that now it's a playoff system. Because if like, I don't, I think Denny Hamlin started in like 2004. So like in he's like started during the playoff seat like era. Yep. Like with his amount of wins, had he been racing before the playoff era, he'd probably already be a champion. Like that would have been significant to tell people. Yeah. But at the same right. time, I think the reason the show is put out the way it is put out is because they're trying to attract new fans and new fans don't care about the history right away. They can they can figure it out would, on their own later. But that is good. To me, 
that I think that's good story building. It's great sort of story building. That. And you wanted to hear it, but at the end of the day, you're not the target audience because you were already no, back but in I think I think it would make people interested in it. It's like giving people the background. Yeah, maybe. In a documentary, like give a little bit of background. Yeah, maybe. But again, like I said, I my my opinion is that they're trying to attract a new a new fan. And a new fan isn't gonna be isn't gonna care what happened before. They're not gonna care what happens now. So I, it, my, my big thing with that show was they didn't really explain how these drivers even got to the playoffs. Really, it was just the playoffs. Yeah, we're at the playoff race. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, that was. Um, but speaking of new fans, like there was a guy sitting behind us that was probably in his mid twenties. He's like, I've never been to a NASCAR race before, so I decided to come to this one. <laughs> okay, yeah. for you, pick the big one. Oh, if he lived yeah. local, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to make it an entire uh, episode here about NASCAR, but we should touch on Atlanta real fast because it was a great race. It was a really, really good race. Um, yeah. Man, I was like, I didn't realize, like, I didn't really know the history of Atlanta. I didn't realize it had been, like, reconfigured. It's like a yep. mild super speedway. Yeah, it races like a super speedway, but it's like a mile and a half or something like that. Yeah, I said mild, not like a mile. Yeah, I said no, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it races like a super speedway. Yeah, it's a big traffic um, track. And man, uh, again, McDowell on the pole. I'm like, man, this guy's strong this year. He's been, you know, just like was a McDowell on the driver pole or Logano? Like, no, McDowell was. McDowell was on the okay. pole. So they his team front row motorsports has a partnership with Penske this year, a technical partnership. So clearly they're getting some good cars. Um, and Logano was outside. Logano was in second. Logano was in second. Yeah. It flipped from the Daytona 500. Uh, but then Logano had a webbed glove for qualifying. Yeah. Yep. And had to go to the back, which sounds like a ridiculous thing, but, um, so the the t the TV announcers were talking about it being a modified safety part. Yep, and that's why he with the penalty yeah. was so strong. Yep. But I was listening to uh, I'm hooked now on the Denny Hamlin podcast. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about it. He's like, no. He's like, they don't really care about that because because it wasn't that big a deal. He's like, it was a modified safety part, but honestly, it didn't really make much difference to the safety. He goes. The arrow advantage is why they put it to the back. Yes, absolutely. But so, the technicality that you get you on is that correct. You have modified the safety equipment. Sure, from it's like getting pulled over delivered. for speeding, and they also give you a ticket for your tinted windows. It's the same kind of deal. Like they they said, like, yeah. oh yeah, we're gonna get this for you for safety, but really it's because you're cheating. Be- because you start during qualifying for the Daytona 500, they do they all do it. They put up their hand. Yep, between the A pillar and the net because it keeps air from coming in and sure. makes you a little bit faster. Yeah, that two hundred thousandth of a second is all it takes. Yep. So yeah, they put it to the back, but it was it was not a clean race. It was a very <laughs> no. uh, caution spectacular caution filled race. Uh, there were no really long green flag periods. Um, one of the interesting things is that they don't take tires ever. 
they just run. It used to be that every time you go into the pits, the cars would take two tires. Um, and if you didn't take a tire, that was part of your strategy. Like, oh, I'm not going to take tires because I'll have a faster pit stop than everybody else. But I'll have, you know, less grip in my tires. But maybe the speed of my pit stop will make up for it. They only take them if they flat spot them. Yeah, you're not or seeing that anymore. Caution. And something else I learned listening to him. Larson took two rears I saw last week. One of the things I did hear listening to, to Hamlin talk about it is that Goodyear and some of the NASCAR guys have been commu- communicating about that, that these tires are too hard and they're lasting too long and they're trying to develop a tire that will wear so that <laughs> so that it will add to the strategy and it won't just be grippy the whole entire time. So you well, will that's what have people the old... love. People love about F1 is that they they're like, oh, He's going out on softs. This guy's on mediums. This guy's yeah. on hards. It like gives like a weird thing for fans to like calculate. Sure. And that's neat because it also adds to the strategy. Yeah. And, you know, I don't give many points to F1 because I'm not an F1 fan. But, hey, I'll, I'll give them points for that. And they're not looking to do the same thing because NASCAR has always been a spec tire series. Like every car yeah. is out on the same tires at the same time. And it's always been part of the strategy. And, you know, most teams ran Atlanta this past the um, this past weekend without ever changing tires. Unless they had to. Wow. And a lot of them had to because only five cars were involved in some sort of wreck. Yeah. Pretty ridiculous. So, yeah. And then that finish was incredible. I mean, the most incredible in NASCAR history. I would say. Well, yeah, because it's a three wide finish. There's, there's been other yep. ones that were closer that were two yep. cars, but I'd never seen a three wide. Like, I, I didn't believe what I was seeing when it was happening. I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, no, for sure. And I couldn't tell who took it. Nope. I couldn't tell if it was and Suarez or Blaney. Man, I'm telling you, like, watching... Oh, yeah, I'm no secret. Big Trackhouse fan. Like, that team has been so strong. So, yep. like, already. Yeah, Chastain was up at the front all day here, too. Yeah. He had not like, strong One of them was bound run. to win. Yeah, and it was Suarez. And Suarez, man, just that... That little extra oomph from staying up by the by the wall and and having yeah. the coming out of the turn on the wall, he had a little bit more of a downhill, which is probably the difference maker. Yeah, and then you know, <laughs> poor Kurt Busch, a little salty about it, but whatever, man. <laughs> it is what it is. He I, he honestly he 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 <laughs> he thanked everybody for racing clean and. Finishing the race well, and he yeah, nobody salty, wrecked. Like you yeah. could have had a big three car wreck there. Everybody was just like easily could have been a wreck. Easily could have been Hamlin three laps prior, you know. Yeah, which wasn't Hamlin's fault either, or Chastain's fault, or anywhere's fault was in that. I mean, Chastain got taken out. Oh, here's the thing. I mean, Suarez, he had like, to make that spun a lap two. Yeah, Hamlin. And then, yeah. Hamlin spun two or three times, and he spun. was still in the top ten at the end of the race before the final wreck. Like it was a ridiculous, ridiculous race. Like I said, all but five cars were involved in some sort of incident during that event, which is unheard of. I, I mean, that's like so many lead changes. Yep. Like I actually I, I was super annoyed because I almost missed the end of the race because I had recorded it because I don't usually watch them like when they're first on. I usually watch them later in the day. Um, and the race went so long because of all the caution periods that there was ten to go in my recording ended <laughs> no yeah so i had to find i found the recap on youtube and was able to fast forward to they they played the last 10 laps unedited on the youtube recap 
Um, and I was able to do that without seeing who won the race somehow. So it was still like a surprise for me. I was, I was like stressing to try to find it without finding out who won, but I managed, I managed to pull it off. So annoying. So I, now I've extended all of my NASCAR recordings on my cable box to, uh, <laughs> an extra like two hours afterwards. So yeah, it was frustrating. Cause I had, I, they were all extended like I think a half hour, but it wasn't enough because the race went so long. But yeah, point yeah, zero zero three uh, seconds or something was the yeah finish. Yeah, I don't mean this to be like a, a NASCAR podcast now, but yeah, we, we kind of got into it. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, hey, uh, listen, it is what it is, and if you don't like it, tough. Well, Daytona weekend, they were IMSA was in Sebring doing practicing, so Sebring's coming up. I look yep. forward to watching that on TV. Yep. It, but it's it's racing season again, so yeah, a lot of good hey, stuff. Hey, I do have some, pro- some project car stuff too, so we got other stuff too. Yeah, what do you got? It's fine. So I came up on 3,000 miles on the motorcycle. Um, and being an old school kind of motorcycle, you're, every 3,000 miles is a service period. Much like right. a, a lot of the old, you know, singles and twins from the British 60s and 70s were. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what it is. So your 3,000 mile service is an oil change and a valve adjustment. Um, interesting. Haven't done a valve adjustment on many vehicles because most of our cars are hydraulic lifters. <laughs> um, uh, I guess not because I've done them on the Colts and I've done them on the old Raider and so like, oh, okay, take that back. I've done plenty of valve adjustments, but never done one on a <laughs> motorcycle, I guess. Uh, it's the same thing as anything else. Um, the only difference is on most cars, you do them warm. And on the motorcycle, yeah. it wants you to do it cold. So, which I think makes more sense. Um, kind of set it to where it should be when it's when it's cold. And some engineer should have figured out how it's going to change when it warms up. Because it's annoying doing valve adjustments on a warm engine. Because things are hot and I don't like it. But anyway, uh, it involves taking the tank off. Which I am very good at now from doing it a couple of times during the fuel pump scenario uh so taking the tank off is like a 10 minute process for me now so pull the tank off then there are two caps on each valve cover oh sorry on the valve cover one on each side it's only it's only a single cylinder engine so it only has two valves very industrial kind of setup very old school setup um so you pull the two caps off the valve cover and then you pull off an inspection cover in the front of the engine and the Royal Enfield R on the left side of the engine accesses the, uh, the crank bolt. So you can turn the crank. So you just turn the crank and you look through the inspection cover on the front. And you see when you get to a line that says T, which is your top dead center. And then you make sure you're on your combustion stroke on, on top dead center. And then you just back it a few inches till there's another line inside on the flywheel that lines up with a line on the engine case that you can see as you're looking through the uh, inspection hole. So they make it, they make it pretty easy. Um, and then you have a traditional, so it has a locking nut and then the, the rocker tip is threaded, reverse threaded inside, but it's a three millimeter square bolt. 
every single set of tools goes down to a four millimeter socket. Nothing comes to three millimeter. Yeah, it's like a almost like a bike tool or something. It's so small. Like a bicycle tool. <laughs> so I went on the internet trying to find a three millimeter thing. Um, Harbor Freight, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Ace Hardware. None of them have a three millimeter socket. Nothing is that small. The only way to get one would be or one online. So now I'm super annoyed because the whole entire motorcycle is parked in the driveway. <laughs> and <clears throat> I was supposed to get the whole thing together because I was planning on riding it the next day uh, to go to the Fountain Hill Concourse here. Because um, parking there is a nightmare. So I figured if I brought a motorcycle, I could park wherever I wanted. So I was digging through the internet and somewhere along the line, I found an article about a person working on a motorcycle with a three millimeter tip on their rocker tip. And they were like, oh, find a wood screw. Put the wood screw in like some sort of a little piece of scrap wood. And the center cross of the Phillips head in the wood screw is usually three millimeters. Okay. And I was like, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right. But I know I have a box of wood screws. So I found a wood screw. And lo and behold, the center cross on a wood screw is a three millimeter square. Weird. Yeah, such a weird thing. So I was able to adjust the valves with that. You know, so you loosen it up with a 10 millimeter wrench and then adjust the valve tip, which I'm sure there's a technical, technical name for that I can't think of right now. I don't know if you know it or not, Andrew, where it rides on the actual push rod. No. Follower? I don't know. There's, there's some kind of name for it. I can't remember it, and we'll figure it out. And yeah, your, dad, your dad will message me after he hears this and tell me, I'm sure. So I look forward to that message. Um, anyway, so I was able to use that wood screw. And once I loosened up the lock nut, I could adjust that tip to the feeler gauges that I put in there um, in order to check the, the valve clearance. So I added that uh, little wood screw to my toolkit for this motorcycle for the uh, every 3,000 mile valve adjustments. So the good news is I went the next day and I rode it almost 30 miles each way. So probably somewhere between 50 and 60 miles. Uh, and it ran great. So uh, it, it everybody was talking about how after your first major service, which is this 3,000 mile oil change and valve adjustment, that the bike wakes up a ton. And it's almost like a, a different bike to ride. I don't want to say it becomes fast because it's a 411 cc, 24 horsepower motorcycle. It's not fast, but I was able to crank it up to 75 on the highway without stressing very much at all. Uh, it rode much better than it did during its first 3,000 mile break-in period. So it it 100% made a difference in the way the bike rides, and it's, it's definitely been freed up. Um, I went through everything while I was putting that back together. You know, I greased the chain. I check all the tire pressures, kind of look at all the brake pads, made sure everything was in solid shape and uh, everything looks good. And the bike rides way nicer. So success. 
So I'll be able to put another 3,000 miles on it without much effort, it sounds like. So I was cool. not too, I was a little uh, a little nervous about doing it just because everything seems so small and fiddly. Being a, Everything's being a motorcycle part is smaller than car parts. But other than one bolt being hard to get to on those little valve covers, the little caps, it wasn't too bad of a deal. So, and then just remember not to fill your tank up right before you have to do a service that requires you to take the tank off. So I did that, thankfully. <laughs> but yeah, it's all better. It rides, it rides well. Uh, I haven't done much else. Um, I have a pain in the butt story with my Corolla. So what month are we in, Andrew? Is it February? It's February. Actually, it's well, bonus. February 20th. Bonus. It's, it's bonus February right now. It's March zero. So I would say about two weeks ago, right before I was leaving for California, um, Naomi and I were moving some stuff around outside, and I noticed the tags on the Corolla had expired in September. Now, it's February at this point. That's a solid, what, five months I've been driving on expired tags? So yep. I was like, whoa, that's uh, how not normal of me to do that. Normally I'm on top of that. But I remembered that when I registered the car, I tried to do a five-year tag, which is something you can do here in Phoenix. And if you have a vintage car with classic insurance and you don't need emissions, you can do a five-year plate. And they wouldn't allow it. They only let me do a one-year tag. I don't remember being annoyed by that. So anyway... I was like, well, I figured this out. So let's go to the, to the we call the uh, registry here, the MVD, the Motor Vehicle Department. So I went to the MVD and the lady was like, oh, your plate's expired. Uh, but that doesn't matter because we actually canceled your registration in June of last year. And I was like, uh, huh? Okay. So I've been driving on this thing with no plates since June. <laughs> like I've literally taken this thing all over the state <laughs> with no plates. She, I was like, so why didn't you tell me this? And she's like, oh, we definitely sent a letter. I was like, I would 100% never received a letter. She's like, well, we would 100% send one. Like, okay. Uh, she's like, let me get you a copy of the letter we sent you. And I was like, please, because I definitely didn't get one. So she produces a letter uh, and brings it up to me. And the address is like 147th Street in Surprise, Arizona. And I was like, well, I definitely didn't get this letter because that's definitely not my address. And she's like, well, that's the address we have on file. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then thinking a little bit more into it, um, I do technically own a vehicle with another family member that lived at that address a long time ago, but doesn't live there anymore. So at some point, they changed the address in the system on my account to be Arizona Jordan's address. Oh. But he also doesn't live at that house anymore and has did not live there in June. So the letter went to some random person who was probably like, 1980 Corolla, throw it in the trash. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, I had no idea that I've been driving on no tags since June. So I was like, well, why did you cancel my insurance, uh, cancel my registration in June? And they said, well, there was an issue with your insurance. And I said, there definitely wasn't. And she goes, there definitely was. Okay. okay. What's the issue? She's like, I don't know, but I can't clear it. I was like, well, I can show you right here that I have insurance. 
She's like, well, I need a letter from your insurance company stating that you've had no lapses in coverage since January of 23. I was like, well, I have my bill right here. I can show you all of my past bills that I pay it every month. It's on the same policy as five other cars that you've not canceled my registration on. So why would it be canceled on just as one? She's like, well, uh, it's nothing we did. It's something your insurance company did. I was like, well, that doesn't sound right at all because they take my money every month. She's like, well, nothing I can do about it. I need that letter. So she's like, or you could pay right now to re-register the car and pay all the fees. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm literally going away for a week. I don't need the car. It's in the backyard behind a fence. Like it is what it is. So fast forward a week, I went away, did my work in California thing, uh, which by the way, North Hollywood, Burbank, California. If you changed out all of the cars in that area, it's 1962. Yeah. Such a cool area. Nothing has changed. Like the hotel that we stayed at was pretty modern, but it was in a pretty industrial area. And there was like a liquor store down the street that had this giant neon clown out front. Like it was just straight out of something you'd see in a mob movie from the 60s. Super cool. Um, that whole area is wild. And there's tons of old cars just strewn about still just in daily use. Like I saw two late 70s Chrysler Cordobas driving. I've never seen a Chrysler Cordoba outside of like the malaise group on Facebook. <laughs> like such a weird vehicle. I saw two of the driving. One second gen Dotson 510 wagon. Like countless cool stuff is out and about more old Mercedes than I, I, you know what to do with. They're just everywhere. Uh, absolutely wild area. Um, if I could afford it, I would live there just because it's a super cool area. Um, anyway, off track. So I get home from the trip. I call Haggerty on Monday and Haggerty goes, Oh, it looks like the MVD messaged us and told us that the VIN number is wrong. So we sent them the documentation from us saying that this is the VIN number we have on file. And they came back and they said, no, that VIN number is incorrect, that the VIN number is not for a 1980 Corolla. I was like, huh, well, what VIN number do you have on file? So they read back the VIN number. I called Naomi, who was working from home on that Monday, and I was like, hey, can you do me a huge favor and send me a photo of the title so I can get the VIN number and make sure it's correct? So she did, and she also took a photo of the VIN number on the car, and it matches the title, and it matches what Haggerty says, and it matches what's in my profile at the DMV or MVD. So long story short, the somebody at the MVD doesn't understand that the 17-digit VIN did not go in, into effect fully until 1981. And they canceled my registration because my VIN number wasn't long enough. Right. Super frustrating. Like you work at the MVD, your one job is to know these things. And I'm clearly not the only 1980 car registered in Phoenix, Arizona. You also nope. didn't cancel my 78 and 79 that are on the same insurance policy on the same MVD account, which have the same number of digits in the VIN number. So I went back finally yesterday to get this all straightened out. And now they're still arguing with me that it's incorrect. 
finally got past that. And they said that I can't register it anyway because admissions is due. And one of the big things here in Phoenix is, or in Arizona, is you have admissions depending on where you live in the state. Right. So if you live in a populous area like Phoenix, Maricopa County, we have to do emissions every two years in our cars. Unless the cars have a specialty insurance policy on them, like a Haggerty, which I do. Which you do. So I'm like, listen, it's under Haggerty, so I don't need emissions. He's like, well, your insurance card doesn't say Haggerty. It says Essentia. Yes. I was like, yes, Essentia is Haggerty. Essentia is the company that underwrites the Haggerty policy. Again, there are Sir, five. I know more than you. Yeah. Again, there are six cars on this policy. All of them are registered here in Arizona at the same address. The other five have active insurance policies, active, active registrations. And I can go onto my online account and renew them at any time because they don't require emissions. I don't understand why this one car is exclusive now. And he's going back and forth. And he's like, nothing on your insurance card says collector policy. I was like, I can't do anything about that. Like, I don't make the card. This is the card I have for all the cars. I was like, I can pull up my policy. So I pulled up my policy. I show up in the bottom. It's, it shows a specialty policy because it doesn't say collector policy. I'm like, I, that, <sighs> okay, well, can we please find somebody who can fix this? He's like, you just need to get emissions. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not leaving <laughs> until we have this straightened out. Cause I'm not wrong. I'm trying to be as polite it's, as possible. It's weird. Cause I've, I've had an issue. Mass screwed up something and I called Haggerty and they fixed it. Like Haggerty supposedly, they're like, Oh, we'll give you to the Massachusetts specialist. Yeah. And they like fixed it. Well, they were able to they fix everything on their end and they printed me the letter that said that everything was clear as far as the VIN number goes. But what Haggerty didn't know that I was going to be dealing with somebody who doesn't know anything when I went back to the MBD. So finally, I got a manager involved. And the manager is like, well, it doesn't say collector policy, but there's a number on there. And she goes to the guy, she goes, type that number into the system. And he types the number in. And the number converts to collector policy. And he's like, oh, okay. I was like, all right, can I please hit my plates, please. So then props to this guy because he goes, so have you been driving this since the registration expired? He goes, it sounds like you have. And I went, uh, no. And he looks at me and he goes, huh, well, that's good. He goes, because that's a $50 fine. And I was like, yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been in storage. storage. (laughs) He's like, okay, cool. That'll save you 50 bucks. And I was like, Sweet, thanks. <laughs> so at least he kind of had a little bit of a helpful attitude towards the end and realized how annoyed I was becoming. So he also was able to register it for five years. So for $114, I registered the car for the next five years. That's so cheap. It's so cheap. <laughs> and also, if I get rid of the car within those five years, they will send me a check for the difference. So, I just re-registered the Gallant, and it's like $60 for two years. Right. Or 65 whatever it is. And and the the registration got lost in the mail for like two weeks. Oh, sweet. Super annoyed. And also you pay excise tax on that later. Yes. Yeah. So uh, 
uh, all the excess taxes came in because it was the beginning of the year. So, yep. um, yeah, I was super annoyed because I was like, where is this? And I like, went to the post office. They're like, uh, they're like, that takes like, it might take two weeks to show up. They're like, that picture that you get in your email doesn't matter. I was like, what? So we came from Boston. To... Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the long, the long route. I was like, I'm not paying like, because you can pay for lost registration with the dumb sticker that goes in the plate, but it's like yep. 40 bucks or something. I'm not paying that because it got lost in the mail. Yeah, I didn't do anything wrong here, sir. Um, Yeah, anyway, it's $114 for five years for that car, which is good. Um, Honestly, the combination of collector car insurance, historic plates, and no emissions with collector car insurance is the only reason I can I can have a collection of classic cars here because, I mean, that would be incredibly expensive to do everything normally. It's not like they all and, run. <laughs> uh, all all six cars on that policy run. So I want to hear. Well, you can't drive them all at once, so it doesn't really matter. But that and that's why it's so cheap. That's <laughs> that's why Haggerty is what it is. Like Haggerty realizes that yeah, you have six cars in this policy, but you can't drive them all at once, and you have a normal daily. So. Yeah. It doesn't cost much. I mean, I think yeah. my Haggerty well, policy costs so me. cars? Well, yeah. I can't drive them all at once. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Not... Why do you care? <laughs> like yeah, literally think... eight, you know, eight or nine months of the year, they're not producing any emissions because they're just sitting in storage. Yeah. I think my Haggerty <laughs> policy cost me $230 a month for all six cars. Yeah. So 230 a month, 114 for five years registration. And then all I do is pay for maintenance and I... gas. Like, Okay. I even do the yearly payment. It's like, and actually I got, cause I got rid of the queue and I upped the values and everything. It was like $800 for the year. Yeah. It's so cheap. Yeah. I have, there's six cars in the policy. So it's more than $800 for the year, but I think yeah. it's, it's like 23 or $2,400 for the year. But that includes. But I had to raise everything up. <laughs> that, and I, that's what I value I'm comfortable with and everything. That's the Sapporo, the Cressida, the Mercor, the 944. Uh, the blue Colt and the Corolla all in that same policy. Actually, the Starions on that policy too. So, yeah. Anyway, did you get so, um? Were you able to locate a timing cover for your Eclipse? I do not have a timing cover yet. No. Um, okay. I'm at a point where I'm thinking that uh, maybe I can just patch it up somehow. I don't know. Oh, nobody had one? So, I forgot I needed it, honestly. Somebody did reach out to me that had one, and then they were away, and I haven't heard back from them since, so I should probably reach out to them again. Yeah. But I also, I'm having a hell of a time ordering some of the other parts for that car, and I'm super annoyed, and I kind of forgot about it. Which Um, parts? Some of the timing belt stuff, the tension, some of the pulleys and stuff, are different for 93 and 94. Oh, weird. And they don't exist. Everybody has what? kits. Everybody has kits for the 90 to 92 and the 95 and up. Nobody sells all the stuff for 93, 94. Oh, uh, I guess he'll uh, check. Check Mega Zip again. I've been super annoyed about it lately. That's why I haven't fixed the car yet, because I haven't got all the parts yet. So I need to find out what the difference actually is. Um, yeah, because it's, it's super frustrating. Like, I can't be it can't be just a me problem. Like, other people have 93, 94 cars. So, 
and I'm sure that I don't know, maybe the parts worked just fine, but um, I was super annoyed by it. I couldn't figure it out, and then I had that work trip coming up, and then I came back, and we were watching the kids for the whole weekend, and it just it became a whole thing. Like I just haven't. I was literally just sitting waiting for me to finish it, and I'm slightly salty and annoyed about it because I haven't finished even ordering the parts yet. So I'll get there. Yeah, I throw the Vin again into Megazip and or Amiyama and just kind of look, see if there's. It just requires me having the patience to sit there and do it, and I haven't had the patience because I've been annoyed by it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely easier on a laptop to do it. Or oh, for sure. I I yeah I already gave up four times trying to do it on the phone. Um, yeah. I, I'll I'll figure it out. I just... It at least will spit you out some part numbers that you can kind of figure stuff out. The, the other issue is what is that replacing everything with quality parts, which is what I want to do. I don't want to do it. I don't want to half-ass it. Um, it's mega expensive. So... And it's not that I can't yeah. afford it. I'm just annoyed. No, if you... One of my tricks, if you can find those part numbers, and if the OEM stuff is not too expensive, obviously buy that, and if it's available. Yeah. The other thing, you can take those part numbers, once you have them, uh, you could search through Rock Auto via the part number search. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, cross I, reference I, stuff. I know how to do it all. So I'm if, you, if you found ones that were Timken or ASIN brand, that should be equivalent to OEM. In fact, yeah. uh, the OEM ones are probably ASINs in the box. Yeah, more than likely. So, yeah, there are certain brands that, that I, I know I can buy, but I just, I've been annoyed by it. That's all I can say. It's 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 complete and utter my own fault. I'm just super annoyed by everything about it right now. So, I was super into it when it first came apart. I was like, I'm going to fix it right away, get it back in the road. And then I got all the machine work done. I got the whole thing torn apart. Like, And I just, I've been frustrated trying to order parts. And I've come across this like wall of like caring to even finish ordering the parts five or six times. So I'll figure it out. Just need to get to it. Just I'm just annoyed. That's all. I don't know how else to say it. It doesn't make any sense. It's total my own mental blockages. But we'll get there. Maybe that's yeah, maybe my, my, my goal by next episode. Have to order parts. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Other than that, I haven't touched any car stuff because it's just not that. Oh, uh, I have. I have some other things in the works. Um, I've been communicating back and forth with the person who I bought my Starion from, uh, who's the original owner of the car, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got interest in buying it back from me. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a hard time letting it go, but I think talking to you and some others have convinced me that the right story for the car is to let the original owner buy it back. If he wants to spend the money to restore it. Yeah. So that may be happening. Cause we'll you see. would, you would want to do the same thing if you had that kind of money. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He, uh, he kind of reached out to me and he was like, listen, he's like, I'll, I'll do right by the car. He's like, I'm have been successful in life and I am having my first car restored right now. And he sent me pictures of this 70 Buick Riviera. That's more rust than sheet metal. So if he's willing to do that kind of repair on that car, I'm sure he'd be willing to spend the right amount of time and effort to fix the, his original Starion as well. Because the story was when we bought the car from him that he bought it 
and a Mitsubishi Cordia for his mom. So like the Starion for him and the Cordia for his mom. The first year his business was successful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his business is still quite successful and he's made quite a lot of money. And he has a collection of Shelby Mustangs from the 60s through current. And he's restoring, like I said, as many of his original cars as he can get his hands on. So as much as that car has become like my last remaining white whale of projects, and I've dragged it all across the country and for multiple houses and had it for 15 years, I think that it might be a... He's probably shocked you still had it. Yeah, probably. Probably. And uh, I just wanted to make sure I was upfront and honest with him as far as the condition of the car currently. I mean, when you and I went and picked it up from him, it was already pretty rusty. It was. Um, but at a minimum, I mean, you got it back, at least got it, got the parts to put a nose back on it. I've done all the hard stuff already. Yeah. Honestly, I've, searching those parts is one of the hardest things with that car, and I already found all the parts. So I may wind up, he's willing to pay money for a car that's not worth money. And while I don't want to screw him, I want to make sure that if I do sell it, it gets me enough money to replace it with a good one. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. So I, I will more than likely be in the market for a narrow body Starion soon. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, I don't want a Conquest. I don't want an automatic. I'd prefer one in no. white. I'd prefer the same car, like a white 84 tan interior would be perfect. ES package. Um, but I'm not going to be super picky. But I, I'd really like an 84, 85 car. And I'd really like it to be a Starion. So I think any color but red, but white preferred. So mm. keep your eyes peeled. So anyway, on that note. Yeah. Anything else? I don't. I think that's I think that's a good solid place to end it today. Yeah. Uh sorry it's been a, a delay, but that's just the way it is sometimes. And we promise so, it won't be 100% NASCAR coverage every week. Andrew's not going to every race. That was a little bit extra coverage because no, Andrew went to the I race. I did already <laughs> buy tickets for New Hampshire. I am going to New Hampshire. Excellent. Excellent. And I am planning on doing Phoenix this year, at least one of the events. Uh, yeah. it's Yeah, Phoenix looks pretty cool, too. It's a little jealous that say my in-laws get to go to Phoenix as well. But, I mean, it's a plane ticket. Andrew, come on out. Probably no tickets already. It's busy, busy one. They're going to Vegas and they're going to Phoenix. So we'll see. Nice. All right. But, End uh, it yeah. up, Andrew. Wrap it up. All right. Uh, follow us on Off Topic Podcast on Instagram, on Threads, on Facebook. Follow me, Racing Anger, on Instagram and Threads. Uh, and Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at TSISS350 on instagram and threads and scale autocast um i did extend the group build until the end of this month which is today so i'll post the results oh, some some people did finish their models some people named andrew did not but that's okay uh we'll do another one maybe in a month or so and i'll be a little bit more proactive and keeping it going but we did a few posts throughout the process here and i think there are four or five finished kits so that's good I'll get back to it. it. It ebbs and flows for me. And we have to do another scale autocast episode. So. 
Absolutely, we do. I wanted to do one tonight, but unfortunately, I'm feeling a little under the weather, and we'll have to postpone that. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that's it. That's where you can find me. So, all right, cool. As always, keep guys analog and aim for the roses. Thank you.